Imagine your country being defended by soldiers, by military, that didn't have any training and any real experience. They had enjoyed fellowshipping with other soldiers in the mess hall. They had heard uh, the military band playing music and enjoyed it. They had uh, read about weapons and strategy and tactics and stories of battles. They had inspirational talks from their leaders. But they had never had any real battle experience and been trained in battle skills. Do you think they can carry out the defense of your country? This is like non-discipleship Christianity. It's like Christianity that is absent of discipleship. It is like Christians who are not maturing as Jesus' disciples and not involved in making disciples. For discipleship defines our very purpose. It is what shapes our life in Jesus. So we're going to be talking about discipleship for the next four weeks. And today we're going to be addressing the question, why are we doing a series on discipleship? And next week we're going to be talking today, but but more on that next week. And then the third week we'll be asking the question, how do we make disciples? And then we'll also talk about in the fourth week, uh, making disciples from all nations. So why are we talking about discipleship? Well, uh, we need to remind and and review, are we doing the main thing that Jesus commanded us? Teams in sports that are the most successful are those that, that keep focus on the main thing, the basics, the fundamentals of what they're about. So Jesus made 12 disciples. He had others in the larger circle that he influenced, but he mainly invested his life in 12. And when he first called them, he said, follow me and I'll make you what? So he's teaching them how to fish, how to fish for people. So they barely had started being disciples when he said, I'm going to make you disciple makers. So right out of the starting gate, he said, this is what I'm going to do, do to you, do for you. And so the disciples followed Jesus. They watched him do ministry. They heard him teach. They spent... They lived life with him. He began involving them in ministry. And and then after his death and resurrection, he taught them for 40 more days. Before he ascended, he he commanded his disciples to make disciples until he returns. So until I get back, keep making disciples. And we see this in Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. and, And I'll just read that. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples of all nations because of his universal authority. He had all authority given to him, and so he commands them to make disciples. And he promised he would always be with them as they carried out this mission until he returns. So Jesus didn't say, so have at it, and I'll see how you did when I get back. I'll check in when I get back. 
No, he said, I, I will be with you. And he's with us, enabling, empowering us to do the work. So however challenging it is to do the work of making disciples, he's with us in that. If you want, to, if you want Jesus to be with you, then be making disciples and be growing as disciples. If disciples of Jesus are to make disciples of Jesus, that means that Jesus' disciples are to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and keep on going. Don't quit until he shows up. And that's going to be spread through all nations. Now, Jesus had given three key elements of making disciples. and He said, go, baptize, and teach. So in verse 19, we see the first two of those. Go, therefore, he says. So when Jesus says we are to go, he means he sends us. He sends us. We are his authorized ambassadors wherever we go. We are on mission, not just at specially designated times and circumstances, but as a way of life. And going for us means we are intentional about making disciples. We, we have it in our minds. How can I influence this person toward Jesus? And how can I help them grow in Jesus? As a way of life, we do it. As a sent disciples, we, we each have a role or roles to serve in making disciples. So that's going. Secondly, he's, making disciples involves baptizing in the name of our triune God, our one God who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We baptize people when they have understood and believed the gospel, the good news that Jesus has died for our sins and was buried and was raised so that whoever believes in him can be forgiven of their sins and receive eternal life. So that's the gospel that we believe. And when you believe that and you're trusting in that, you get baptized. Baptism is the outward symbol of our being immersed. That's what the word means, to immerse. Being immersed into Christ, that is being spiritually united to him. We've, we've spiritually died with him and been raised with him so that we receive what he has accomplished for us. It is the way believers in Christ declare they have trusted in him for salvation. They receive a new identity in him and they identify with him in their baptism as his disciple, and so are committed to following him. And the third thing he says is in verse 20, and that the third aspect of making disciples is teaching them to observe or to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. We teach disciples to obey. Don't you love that word, obey? It's great. It's a great word. Not just gain knowledge, not just pick and choose what they feel like is helpful or meets their felt needs, but we teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded, including the command to make disciples. So, yes, one command is that disciples are to make disciples, and does this brings us back to our question, why this series on discipleship? Well, one reason is that since Jesus was so clear as to what his disciples are to be doing until he returns, it's good for us to ask ourselves, are we doing it? How are we doing at making disciples and growing as, and maturing as his disciples? Our friend Roderick Gilbert, who is one of our supported workers in India, says, when you stop making disciples, you become a stagnant Christian. Don't want to be that. 
it's not a place you want to be for sure. And as a, ch- a church that is not discipling others becomes a stagnant church, no matter how nicely you worship. Growing as disciples of Jesus and making disciples is not a church program. It's not uh, one of the several areas of church ministry that people might choose to get involved in. Rather, it is what the church is for in the world. It's what we're here for. Everything the church does is to contribute to making and maturing disciples of Jesus. We believe the normal Christian life is maturing as disciples and making disciples. So we want to enhance, we want to encourage a culture of discipleship here at Harvest. In other words, we want Harvest to be a a web of discipling relationships, both in and outside the church, in which we help one another mature in Christ and make disciples for Christ. So you need to help me do that. You need to help me mature in Christ and make disciples of Christ, and and I'll, I'll help you do that as well. So that's what we're here for. You say, what I feel so inadequate Mm Mm-hmm. You are. I don't know God's word very well. Well, maybe that's true for some, not so true for others. I don't think I can show others how to follow Jesus because I'm barely following him myself. You might be feeling that way. Besides, I never had anyone disciple me. I even wonder if I am a disciple. Wow, we need to talk about that. What is a, what is a disciple? A disciple, in the terms of the meaning of the word, is a learner. It's a student who follows a teacher. As we saw in Matthew 28, the text we just looked at, what disciples are learning is not just facts about Jesus or spiritual inspirations. The first lesson disciples learn is that the only way that they could be saved from sin and have eternal life is through what Jesus has done with them, for them. The only way they can be right with God is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just be like Jesus. It's not just imitate Jesus and form an idea in your mind what you think he's like and then try to be that. It's trusting in him in order to be saved. And as we said... That is what disciples are declaring in their initiation as disciples and in their baptism. Then disciples are learning to obey everything that Jesus commanded us. Jesus' disciples are not earning eternal life, but because Christ, by his grace, has given them life, they begin living out this Christ purchased life in obedience to his word. In John 8 31, Jesus said to his disciples, who, his, to, to the Jews who had believed in him, actually, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you stay in my word, if you continue in my word, if you remain in my word, if my word is in you and, and you're constantly immersed in my word, you're truly my disciples. In the book of Acts, all believers in Christ are called disciples, so that's what they're called in, in the, the early church. Christians were disciples. To be a Christian means to be a disciple. There are no Christians who are not disciples. And to be a disciple of Jesus means to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus means you're trusting him, 
you're praying to him, you're learning him as you read the Gospels, as you study the Word, and you're obeying him. You no longer set the agenda for your own life. Jesus does that. You belong to him. You're his. There was this teaching that was pretty common several years ago that went something like this. There are two kinds of Christians. There are some who are just saved, who are not disciples. And then there are others who get more serious about it, and they are disciples. We don't find that in the Bible. In the Bible, you're, you're saved and you're a disciple. If you're saved, you're saved as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some, some put it this way. Some have accepted Jesus as their Savior, but they haven't made him Lord of their lives. You don't get to pick and choose what you take of Jesus. You get the whole Jesus. You get them all. He's Lord and Savior. He's not just what you, what, what you uh, funnel out, what you filter out. Because Jesus is Lord overall and and our whole life belongs to him, his teaching about discipleship can sound pretty radical, can sound pretty extreme. Jesus knows that there are many loyalties and influences that that keep would-be disciples from following him. Consider what Jesus said as his popularity was increasing. So Jesus' popularity is increasing. And so we see in, in Luke 14, the great crowds accompanied him. Okay, Jesus, say something nice to the people. Make sure that you just ease them in, all right? And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Uh-uh. Jesus, you need to learn how to win friends and influence people. Come on. That's so not what you want to say. He goes on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own instrument of death cannot be my disciple. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Does that work for you? Jesus knew family pressures would be great, especially in that culture. It's very similar in the Muslim world today, um, Muslim cultures. If you receive Christ, if you turn to Christ, you're kicked out of your family, usually. You're, you're, and sometimes you're put to death. So he knew that there were those kinds of strong barriers in the family. So what he's saying is he's not saying you should actually have hateful feelings toward your parents or toward your wife or to your children or to your husband. He's saying that being Jesus' disciple means you so value him over all other relationships and all other loyalties and possessions and passions that in comparison your love for them looks like hate. That's what he's saying. You value Jesus over your own life. He taught this fairly frequently along these lines. We'll look at one other text in Luke chapter 9, 23 to 25. He said to all not just to the super committed, but to all. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Again, taking up his cross, we, we're so accustomed to thinking of a cross as a little piece of gold jewelry that you get at a store and you, and you wear it just because it's like a good luck charm or something. 
And that was an instrument of, of capital punishment, of being put to death. So when he's saying that, be ready to die. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? This is what it means to be a disciple. Declared and demonstrated in our initial act of baptism, we have lost our old lives in Christ, and we have gladly surrendered our ways to his will. We endure hardship for him, for his sake, rather than comfort, if we have to make that choice, if it doesn't honor Jesus. We walk closely with Jesus as our first love. We cling to him. So when we sang, we love you, Jesus, that's what we're talking about. He's our first love over everything else. That is what discipleship is all about. It is the ongoing process. It's a process. It's ongoing. We don't arrive at it all at once. Of submitting all of life to Jesus and seeing him saturate your entire life. Saturate your entire life and with his presence and power. It's a process of daily growing in your awareness of your need for him in, every day, in the everyday stuff of life. It's a process of recognizing your need for him in everyday stuff of life. I need Jesus every moment of every day. And part of my discipleship is learning to, to recognize that and embrace that. Even though the word disciple is only found in the Gospels and Acts, in the New Testament letters, so Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and so on, um, they teach about what it is to be a disciple of Christ, even though they don't use the word. So they, they, they say things like this. Paul talks about learning Christ, learning him, um, being taught in Christ, involves putting off the old self, which is corrupt, and putting on the new self, which has been created in righteousness and holiness, true holiness. So we're, we're created new in Christ. It's not something we, we do to ourselves, but we embrace what Christ has done for us. We mature as Jesus' disciples by living out our identity. It's, it, it is our DNA. This, this is the way the New Testament letters talk about living as Jesus' disciple. Because we have died, we have died with Christ and been raised up with him spiritually to a new life. Because Christ is our life, we put off we, or we put to death sinful habits and desires and put on desires and practices that are holy and good. Maturing and growing as Jesus', Jesus disciple is growing into what Christ has done for us and what he's doing in us. It's growing into what Christ has done for us and is doing in us. So the New Testament talks a lot about the transformed life that is to be characteristic of disciples of Jesus. So when we say that disciples live transformed lives, we're not saying they live perfect lives. We are saying that they keep clinging to Jesus. They keep clinging to Jesus, who is working in them to conform them to himself. So the disciples keep growing and maturing. They keep renewing their hearts and minds. Disciples are gospel people. So we, we, it's based on the gospel. It's based on the good news of what he's done for us who keep renewing their hearts and minds in the person and power of Jesus over and over again. Jesus reboots over and over again. Refresh, renew who you are in Jesus. 
A disciple of Jesus never stops learning the gospel, relating in the gospel, communicating the gospel in the everyday rhythms of life. Gospel-centered discipleship is not about how we perform, but who we are. It's who we are. Imperfect people clinging to a perfect Christ, being perfected by the Spirit. Disciples are not perfect, but they do bear fruit. Evidence of the grace and truth of Jesus. So in John 15, 8, John 15, 8 says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You'll know you've got an apple tree in your yard if apples grow in it. I know that's profound and deep, but it's true. If it bears peanuts, it's not an apple tree. Do you have any fruit that would give you away as a disciple? Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking more specifically about what discipleship is. Greg will get us all straightened out on that next week and how we make disciples in the following week. Matt will help us with that. For the last part of what we're going to talk about today, I want to help us see that every Christian has a part in making disciples for Jesus. Jesus' mandate, for example, from Matthew 28, to make disciples of all nations wasn't meant to be a good option for those who are extra zealous or exceptionally gifted Christians. This is one reason we want to focus on discipleship for a few weeks. We want to encourage a culture of discipleship at Harvest. And it's happening, but we need to just ensure that we're continuing to grow in that culture, that family This is what we do. The purpose of the church is not for providing uplifting spiritual experiences for an hour or two and programs for various needs. It's for helping people mature in Christ and make disciples for Christ in the everyday stuff of life, day in and day out. Based upon what Jesus said about being his disciple and making disciples, we may be intimidated. I mean, when you hear what Jesus says about disciples, it's like, wow, that's way above my pay grade. Isn't that job for pastors and missionaries? That's what we pay you to do. And as I said before, I'm paid to be good and you're good for nothing. (laughs) Insult the audience and wake them up. (laughs) Well, yes, pastors and missionaries are supposed to be making disciples, but not only us, them. Every disciple has a part to contribute to making disciples. There are people that you are uniquely situated to reach with the gospel. You have unique gifts and connections that others don't have. You have relationships that others don't have in which you could help a person to follow Christ and grow in him. I think of Eleanor back up in where, where we moved from in Port Angeles. She was a disciple-making tour de force. She's like in her 90s now, and so many people can point to her as, as influencing them in their growth in Christ and having come to Christ because she just she was very humble, very quiet, but she was just excited about Jesus and made, made her way into people's lives for the sake of the gospel. I think of um, Richard, who did breakfast discipleship. He, just, he, he loved to eat breakfast. He was, um, he was not small, 
because he had lots of big breakfasts. But what he did with that was he, he trained young men up in, in spiritual leadership. So a lot of young men can trace their, who are going hard after God today, can trace their spiritual discipling relationship back to those breakfasts with Richard. If you know Dan Pringle, he's one of them. Dan Pringle, who's in Spain now with his family. That is what making disciples is, helping others follow Jesus so that they grow in him and become like him. It doesn't require you to teach a formalized Bible study necessarily. That, that is nice if, if you can do that, but that's not the requirement. It is you in your natural rhythms of life and relationships, loving, praying, praying with, sharing God's word, and showing others how to follow Jesus. Making disciples doesn't require a special gifting or a specific setting. Making disciples can happen in all kinds of settings, in houses, in, in your home, in neighborhoods, in workplaces. One of the highlights of my early Christian pilgrimage was a workplace Bible study. We had just a cross mix of different people, and it was just awesome. We encouraged one another in, in our jobs, and, and, and I think we helped one another grow in Christ to see how Christ is working in our everyday lives at work. <clears throat> on, on car rides, pay attention while you're driving. In meetings and over meals, in the context of where we live, work, and play every day, we can make disciples. You don't need to add something to your schedule, in other words. You work your schedule for how do I make disciples within what I, what I already love to do and what I do. If you're a husband or a wife, you have an opportunity for a discipling relationship. You have a role in your spouse's discipleship. If you're a parent, you have children to disciple. As a grandparent, you can contribute to discipling as well. So ask, ask this question, how can I intentionally sow the word of God into my relationships? You do this knowing that God's word will not fail to do its work. How can you serve, show hospitality, pray to help people become disciples or mature as disciples? How can you take advantage of what you love to do in helping people grow as disciples? Much of our identity as Jesus' disciples is lived out in community with other, other disciples, otherwise known as the church. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, when he, when he demonstrated by washing their feet. And in John 13.35, that was John 13.34. In John 13.35, I think we have that on the screen. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have lots of Bible knowledge. If you go to church every Sunday if you have love for one another. Hey, that's obeying Jesus. Yeah. That means that much of our learning to obey everything Jesus commanded involves loving one another. We serve one another. We forgive one another. We repent to one another. We care for one another. We encourage one another. We exhort one another. We bear one another's burdens. We confess our sins to one another. We share our joys and sorrows with one another, and we do ministry and mission together. What opportunities do you have to love as Jesus loved? 
it is sharing life together and serving one another and engaging in mission together that provides the best context for maturing as disciples of Jesus and making disciples for Jesus. That's because when we are doing ministry and mission together, we have to depend upon Jesus, upon the Holy Spirit, to strengthen us, to help us deal with our weaknesses in putting his word to work. We have to learn how to handle real challenges. We really have to put God's word into practice, and together we display Christ better as the body of Christ than we do on our own. Some of us, when we hear the word discipleship, immediately associate it with doing one-on-one Bible study or some kind of biblically-based study material. One-on-one Bible studies or small group Bible studies have a valuable role to play in our discipleship. But this is only part of it. We learn much more effectively how to mature as disciples and make disciples when we, when we share life together and do ministry and mission together. You might be praying about who you could enter into a disciple relationship with, whether it's a small group or one-on-one, so that can be a part of your growth. Uh, whether you're a disciplee or a discipler, it's, it actually works both ways, no matter what you do. But choose wisely because you start taking on some of the characteristics of the person discipling you. So if, if they're kind of quirky, you're going to be kind of quirky yourself. But that's a risk you take. I was discipled by various men that, that contributed different ways to my discipleship. Never had it labeled as that. Never said, hey, we're, we're discipling one another now. We never said that, but it happened. So one was just, I would spend hours and hours just hanging out, talking Bible with, with one guy. Another guy was over lunches. He, we talked about life and Christ, work in our lives and relationships in Christ. The bigger picture was um, I was discipled in community with, with the churches I was involved with, and, and, and I'm continuing to do that here as you rub off on me. We all struggle with being all in for Jesus. Do you struggle with being all in for Jesus? Nobody does? Man, I'm feeling kind of out in the cold here. I struggle with being all in for Jesus. That's why we're doing this series on discipleship, to stir our hearts, our desires, our wills, to make it our conversation and our ambition to pray and pursue maturing as disciples and making disciples together in the everyday stuff of life. We'll be asking a couple questions. I've I've asked some through this message, but we're going to... In, in our worship time following, we're going to focus on a couple questions. I'm just going to give you a preview of what, what we're going to ask. Do your life practices and priorities demonstrate you want to grow in Christ? Do you want to grow in Christ? Are you eager to mature in Christ? And a second question is, does Jesus set the agenda for your life, or do you? Let's pray. Father, it's way too easy for me to set the agenda for my life. It's not easy in the results. It's easy for me to go there. And it's easy to be satisfied with growth levels, and I need to be less satisfied and be more hungry to grow in you, in your son. Father, we we can't do this on our own. We can't just be like Jesus on our own. 
we need we needed his life injection in us to begin with to to be identified with his disciples we we needed him to rescue us from our sins and give us life right standing with you so thank you for that incredible gift how you've loved us and living in a in a fallen world it's hard to live as Jesus disciple but it's where our joy Jesus said I've spoken to you to you these things that my joy may be in you and and your joy may be full so we do know that you have, as challenging as it can be to live as Jesus' disciple, it's where joy is found. I pray, Father, for these weeks that we'll be talking about discipleship, that it would result in, in increased intentionality and increasing our just multiplying disciples and, and cultivating a, a culture of discipleship, of Christ clinging, Christ loving, Christ serving, Christ exalting growing in him, loving him, serving him, seeing new people birthed into becoming his disciples. And Father, taking it all the way out to the nations. We want to be obedient. You've sent us as your disciple makers. We want to be obedient in that regard as well. Help us to see, Father, how we can be an encourager of others to grow in Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his name. Amen.